Hey, welcome back to the Clay on the Stage podcast. I'm Angela Lucier. I am your host, and I'm also a professional speaker, author, and CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood, a network of public speaking clubs for women. If you're new to the podcast, we are all about public speaking, and we talk about pretty much everything from the fear of it, putting together speeches, getting paid to speak the whole thing. And today's episode is all about the topic of curiosity. And this is a topic that I love because having a mindset of curiosity is one that I try to adopt at all times. And it's not always easy. (laughs) Jumping to conclusions is sometimes a little easier, but living in a place of curiosity is what helps us to live with more openness with more adventure and less stress and judgment and criticism and jumping to those conclusions. So today's episode is all about curiosity and when we can adopt a mindset of curiosity to help us in each moment. Now, I often hear from especially new speakers about that nervousness before giving a speech and the fear of what if this doesn't go well and what if people don't like me and what if I mess up? All of these moments leading up to giving a speech. And I think, what if we could approach that time from a place of curiosity? What if we just asked ourselves, what if this is okay? You know, let's just be curious about those feelings instead of assigning negative feelings or assuming that those things are bad. So on today's episode, I'm going to talk about this book I've been reading that doesn't actually have to do with public speaking, but this one particular chapter really stuck out to me. And I want to read you a couple excerpts from it. And then I'm going to share a couple examples with you of times when I wish I had remained curious instead of deciding that I was crashing and burning and things weren't going well. And then I'm going to give you a couple action steps that will help you in each moment when you're prepping a talk, giving a talk, or reflecting on a talk. So the book that I'm reading right now, I got it two years ago, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I read a book, put it on a shelf, pick it back up a year or two later, and it means something completely different to me. That would be this book. (laughs) It's called The Conscious Heart, Seven Soul Choices That Inspire Creative Partnership, and it's written by Kathleen and Gay Hendricks, who are a married couple And they have been writing and teaching for years, and they've written a bunch of books together. They've written Conscious Loving at the Speed of Life, Conscious Breathing, The Corporate Mystic. So they have have a bunch of stuff together, and they go out around the world, and they teach how to have conscious relationships. And in this particular book, they give a lot of tips for you know, how to take responsibility for your feelings, how to bring love and truth to your relationships. And toward the end, they give a whole list of different ways to be in a relationship. And one is called cultivating curiosity. So like I said, this isn't exactly about public speaking, but as I read it, public speaking kept jumping out to me and I kept saying, I need to tell everyone who listens to my podcast about this. because it's so good. So I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I'm going to read about a page and a half to you. So you know how it is when I read to you. If you've listened to my other episodes, feel free to get into a comfy chair, grab your teddy bear, let's make some tea, you know, grab a blankie, feel free to pause the podcast while you get into your comfiness zone. Because I think it's important to, um, you know, feel like you're being read to, (laughs) to create the environment for that. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right, so this is on page 181 of The Conscious Heart in the section called Cultivating Curiosity. The moment we evoke curiosity and wonder, our perception changes. We stop thinking we already know or should know and begin wondering about the issue at hand. The need for perfection dissolves and we suddenly have free movement, meeting each moment as an eye-opened, full-breathing being. A question asked from genuine curiosity has no sharpness. Wonder takes the edge away. In curiosity, there are more verbs than objects. I wonder what something is about. I'm curious about it. Curiosity is a set of actions, not a static thing. I explore. I turn things over. I turn myself over to look differently, to breathe into the ribs of my curiosing. Curiousing? I think that's curiousing. <laughs> if I'm curious, I don't automatically label things and their functions. I haven't already decided what this thing can be used for, how it might benefit me, how this person really is, or how it all fits together. I give myself time to look at it from different angles, to toss the question up in the air and not even know if it will come down again. Keeping the ball in the air keeps the game in play. The famous children's character, Curious George, got into some predicaments out of his curiosity, but they were also exhilarating adventures. Remember that word, adventure. Everyone has senses, but each of us registers, processes, and communicates them through a unique nervous system. Everyone has the same feelings, but not all of us cooperate with them, listen carefully to them, or do our best to express the sounds that match their momentary vibration. That's what poets do, or any artist in her medium. Everyone can be an artist expressing life as it flows through their mind, heart, and gut. We can be touched by life and want to touch back. It may be that people are taught to rein in their curiosity to preserve social decorum. Little ones forage in the world to discover the names of things, many of which automatically go into the mouth. As adults, we still need to take data in and surround it with some sense to continue feeding our curiosity. When I'm not curious, I make myself all-knowing. I assemble a box labeled you, and I keep dumping items into it. I organize you. I assemble a coherent inventory of you, and then I can reproduce in my mind. You like these colors. You sleep on the right side of the bed. You don't like your sauces to touch the rest of the food on the plate. You have your coffee black. You don't like action movies. I assume that I know what your gestures mean and where your sentences are going. I've already heard everything you have to say. Now I am safe. I think I cannot be surprised by you. At that fateful point where I complete my assembly, I assume that that's all you are. I close the lid and sit on the box so that none of my collection gets loose. How can I move into curiosity from already knowing everything? Genuine curiosity opens the box. When we're curious, we can reinvent our world. Old wounds don't have to continue to poison the present. The real safety is seeing the world as it is. Then we can let go of assumptions and mental constructs that no longer fit. Curiosity opens the door to playfulness and spontaneous joy. Okay, so that's the end of the section on curiosity in Kathleen and Gay Hendricks' book, The Conscious Heart. And I, I wanted to mention that again. I also put a link to it in the show notes if you want to pick it up or check it out because it's an awesome book. It's supposed to be about relationships, but I think it's so much about ourselves and just 
you know, really reflecting on who we are in the world and our relationship with, with our own being. So after that little introduction to curiosity and it being a gift that you get to open, I want to ask you, where do you let curiosity show up in your life? And where do you smush curiosity in your life? I notice there are some relationships I have where I don't allow a lot of room for curiosity. And there are some activities where I don't allow a lot of room for curiosity because I'm more interested in being right, being really good at something, yeah, doing it well, than thinking about, hmm, how could I interact with this differently? How could I create a different outcome? What would it be like if I tried this? And that's because of that need for control, that need for perfection. And if you're a speaker who really loves being perfect, you may be sucking the joy out of the process. (laughs) And you may be right across the, the pond from curiosity. You know, you're probably looking at it and you can see it and you know curiosity is a thing, but you're stuck in the land of perfection. And when you're stuck in the land of perfection, there is no space for curiosity because you've already decided how things need to be. And, And when you're a public speaker and you're getting used to public speaking, there are a lot of variables. There's not just you, right? There's the audience, there's the space, there's the content, there's time. There's so many things happening that it's really, really hard to control that situation. And that can create unnecessary stress. So let's approach it from a place of curiosity. Each time you go to give a presentation, walk in there saying, I'm, I'm curious about what this audience needs. I'm curious about how I'm going to show up, what kind of energy I have tonight. I'm curious about how this information will be delivered by me. And that leaves a lot of room. And that has a better feeling. It leaves, it leaves a sense of openness rather than closed, controlled, perfect. And I remember, I've told a couple of these stories before, but I want to share them again because I haven't talked about them through the lens of curiosity. One of the stories is the day that I gave that, <laughs> that presentation <laughs> at an MBA class at UMass Amherst where I came in wearing a business suit with a, a, a skirt and during the presentation took it off to reveal a different dress underneath. And that presentation was about personal branding. And I was trying to prove a point about how your clothing actually tells a story about you as well. And showing up with clothes that really feel good to you and represent your style will help to project project an image of who you really are and help to connect with the right people. And in, in my mind, <laughs> you know, in theory, this was a really cool idea. I thought it'd be a fun exercise. I thought it would be kind of not racy, but I thought it would be different and it would, it would just, you know, give some, some new interest to the presentation and leading up to it, I was really excited about it. I thought this is gonna be really fun. And then when I was in the room, actually giving the presentation about to take off my blazer, my button down shirt and my skirt, I immediately felt like this was a bad idea. What am I thinking? This is crazy. I'm never leaving my house again. I can't believe I thought of, I thought of this idea and I can't believe I'm actually doing this. And before I was even done, I had already decided it was the worst day of my life. <laughs> 
I'm an idiot. Why did I think I could do this in an MBA classroom full of professionals and the dean and the professor at a, you know, a really big institution with a great reputation and think that that was okay? And there were about, there was about 15 minutes left in my presentation. And I don't remember what I said. I don't remember how I ended it, but I remember how I felt. And I remember the stories I was telling myself about who I was and how stupid I was and why did I think I could do this and pull it off. And by the the end of the talk, I had just convinced myself that I just ruined my life. I completely ruined my reputation. I acted like a fool and I should just go like drive off a cliff. You know, it was just like, it was very depressing in my mind. And when I kind of started gathering my stuff together and the class got up and some students came to talk to me, their response was very different. Their response was, wow, that took a lot of courage. I'm impressed. That was so different. That was so memorable. I'm really just impressed with how bold you were and great job. And thanks for doing that. And I was so shocked. Even one woman came up to me at the end and said, you know, I've been thinking about starting a business for a while and I haven't had the courage to do it. But after seeing you do that, I feel like I can do it too. I'm going to try starting a business. And I left there that day feeling so conflicted because, you know, in my mind, I was the biggest dumbass ever. But to everyone else, they saw a courageous woman who gave them courage to take, take on their dreams. And I really wish, you know, looking back on it now, that I had approached that whole situation with, with curiosity, you know, and said to myself, let's just be curious to what they say. Let's be curious to what happens here today. Don't worry about whether it's right or wrong or good or bad. Let's just be curious. That Just saying that feels so much better. And then I could have let them come down from their seats and say whatever they wanted to me. And I wouldn't have had any idea of whether or not I had done it well or not, because that wasn't the point. It was just to be curious about what it felt like to do it. (sighs) I wish I had thought of that. (laughs) And the second story I want to share, I, I know I've told this before too, was just from six or seven months ago doing a presentation on lifestyle design for a group of professional young professionals from all over Western Mass. And they were all, you know, young leaders who were interested in building up their career and figuring out their career path. And there was one woman in particular in the back of the room who kind of just sat back in her chair with her hands folded, totally expressionless, looked like she was just watching paint dry the whole time. And this was a really interactive workshop. It was three hours long. I was making jokes. I was asking questions. We were having good conversation. There was a lot of partner work. And when it came to doing work, she kind of wrote a couple things, talked quickly with her partner, and then sat back in her chair and never contributed, never raised her hand. And even when I called on her, she would give one word answers. And in my mind, I had decided she hates me. (laughs) She definitely, (laughs) she is so angry. She's here. She doesn't want to be here. Her boss probably made her come. She's having the worst night ever. She hates this content. She thinks I'm a dumbass. You know, I created this whole world again about who this person is and her relationship to me and all the ways that I failed her. So I had that in the back of my mind for the whole workshop, but I've also had people like her in my workshops before. So 
there was a part of me that was saying, it's not about you. She might have had a bad day. Just let it go. And so I had these two conflicting voices inside. One saying, wow, you really let her down. (laughs) And the other one saying, it's not about you. And it was very hard to focus and just enjoy the rest of the experience, knowing that she was there, maybe not having a good time. And at the end of the workshop, I saw her approaching the front of the room where I was kind of getting stuff together. And I thought, okay, this is the moment I'm going to find out. Did she hate this or did she actually have a bad day? She walks over and puts her hand out for me to shake. And I shook her hand and I looked at her, I looked her in the eye and all of a sudden a big smile emerges on her face. And I'm thinking, Oh, thank God. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And she introduces herself and she says, thank you so much for this workshop. I was so into it the whole time. I was just captivated by everything you were saying and it had all my gears turning. You were answering all the questions that I had had for years and wasn't able to answer myself. And I have five questions for you. Number one, will you help me start a podcast? Number two, will you help me write a book? Number three, can I hire you to help me with my my speaking? Number four, can I bring you into my office to do some workshops for me? And number five, can I introduce you to my team? I was like, okay. Um, A, I didn't see that coming. So I was just kind of stunned. B, this is a really good example of when you should adopt an attitude of curiosity. Because I would not have been as stunned by those questions had I not already assumed that we were arch nemesis, uh, arch nemeses. (laughs) Because I couldn't believe what was coming out of her mouth because I had already built an entire story about this woman's life and her relationship to me and her view of me. And this is where we get into trouble because we, we think we know what other people are thinking about us. And if you've given a speech before and you've seen someone in your audience who's on their phone or looks tired or is yawning or talking to the person next to them, we create a story about who they are and how disrespectful they are and how boring we are and why they don't like us. And we have no idea what's going on in their life. We have no idea how they process information. I had no clue that the whole time this woman was captivated and her gears were turning. If you looked at her face, you would have no idea that that's happening. But who am I to say how people process information? I have no idea. I don't even know what I look like when I process information. So the point is, when you're giving a speech, just disconnect yourself from the judgment and the criticism of of yourself and of your audience, and instead just be curious. If I could have set up, stood up there that day and said, I'm curious about her. I'm just going to remain curious and not have any conclusion. It would have saved me so much energy. So if you're dealing with these moments before a talk, oh my God, I'm so scared. What if it goes wrong? Oh my God, what if they don't like me? Why did I decide to do this? This was such a bad idea. You're having all these thoughts. Why don't you just remain curious about the thoughts? Wow, I'm having a lot of thoughts. And a lot of feelings about this talk. That's it. Just leave it at that. Wow, I'm still thinking about it. Wow, that question keeps coming up. Just be curious about it. During the talk, if you're having thoughts, this isn't going well, I'm crashing and burning, everyone looks tired, maybe we just be curious about it. 
hmm, I'm curious about my energy level right now. I'm curious about the energy level in the room. Maybe you'll come up with a new idea. But the second you assign this like intense, heavy, you know, judgment about it, that's when you lose your power. And that's when you lose the energy to change it. And the third place to work on curiosity is when you reflect on the speech. I'm sure you, you give a talk and then you get in the car to drive home and the whole time you're thinking about all the things you did wrong. Oh my God, if only I had five more minutes, I could have said that thing I really wanted to say. And I really messed up my last line. And oh, that person's question they asked, I wish I had said this, right? And you're doing that the whole time. <laughs> I mean, maybe just me, maybe it's just me. I don't know. What if instead you said, you know, I'm curious about the way I answered the question that woman had. I wish, you know, I, I, I'm curious about how I said that. I see, I almost just did it again. I'm curious about why I said that. I'm curious about why I left that piece out. I'm curious about what would have happened if I had more time. It's so relaxing, right? It just feels so good to just approach it that way. And then you, you leave out all of that extra stuff that holds us back and makes us feel like a failure, makes us feel like we're not good enough. It makes us feel like we've done something wrong. And if you go out to give a speech and you put your heart into it and you come from a place of love and you come from a place of truth, you've done nothing wrong. So bring the curiosity, bring the love, bring the truth and see what happens. Because I think that's the way that we'll build better presentations and feel better about our own journey as public speakers. So here are a few action steps. Number one, notice when you're jumping to conclusions or making judgments about yourself or others. Number two, return to a place of curiosity. I'm curious about that. I noticed it. I'm curious. And number three, remain open to possibilities. No labels, no assumptions. Really simple. All you have to do is notice it's happening and return to curiosity. That's easy, right? <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there right now. It's not always easy because it's about changing habits. It's about changing patterns that have maybe been there for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. But it's a simple enough plan that you can do it if you commit to it. And I think it makes public speaking a lot easier because you're taking away all of that murky stuff that tends to get in the way of the connection we have to ourselves, to our content, and to our audience. So that is today's message, friends. Remain curious and tell me how it goes. I want to also give an update on my, uh, my other challenge I'm doing, which is to notice my boundaries and express them. I know I did a bonus episode last Friday, which was all about my, my new challenge to try and be more communicative and open when people cross my boundaries. And I did it twice. I did it twice over the weekend. <laughs> it's like just saying it. I'm like, <laughs> it was, it was hard in the moment, two hard conversations. One, was with my ex-husband about our house and I wanted something different from what he wanted. And I went into the conversation knowing that. And as we were approaching that part of the conversation, I started thinking, don't give in, do not give in. You're going to say this not only for you, but because you said you went on your podcast. <laughs> and when it came to that point of the conversation, I said what I wanted even though my stomach was in knots and 
I think I was stuttering and I could feel myself getting really hot. And after I said my piece, he said, okay, yeah, if that's what you want, let's do that. (laughs) I was like, wait, what? (laughs) He said, yeah, I'm I'm willing to do that. Let's do that. I said, okay. And it took probably half an hour for me to relax because I was so expecting something else. I don't even know what I was expecting, but I didn't expect it to be that easy. And in the second conversation I had, I had to express some fears I had about this relationship with this person. And (laughs) I wrote them down because I wanted to make sure I was prepared and I wanted to make sure I said everything I wanted to say. And after I said them, he said, thank you so much for telling me that. I really appreciate your honesty and I want to address each thing you said and we'll take it from there. (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. And he was so kind and he acknowledged everything I said and he was just really thoughtful about his response. And he kept in mind that I'm working really hard to, to say these things that I don't normally say. So I had two really great outcomes. I felt really good about both. And I just wanted to give you an update because I said I would in last week's episode. And I will continue to do this as interesting things pop up. But I guess my big takeaway from those two conversations was it's okay to say what you need. It's okay. And so if you haven't listened to that bonus episode yet, you can go back to the last one. It's called A Tiny Summer Challenge, where I ask you if you would like to join me on my challenge I'm taking on for the next two months to express my boundaries when they are crossed. So that does it for me today, you guys. I hope that you adopt your mindset of curiosity, take it with you everywhere you go, not just public speaking, and see what changes in your life. So that's it for me, you guys. As always guess what I'm going to say? Stop waiting, start creating. See you next time.